Hi, hello. Uh, welcome to this podcast, Anesthetic Nursing in the UK. I'm your host, Shamim. And here we are all about getting it right as an anesthetic nurse. Uh, <laughs> before I go any further, I just want to like uh, talk a little bit about this month. It's turned out to be um, crazier than I thought. So I have actually been isolating still in isolation recovering from covid 19 <laughs> um i think i probably had omicron i i've i've not really had a positive test for covid before so this was like a really um big surprise which i guess if you think about it nowadays it's not about whether you will get COVID or not, it's about when you will get it, because it's just everywhere. So yeah, um, in that that being mentioned, I want to say um, my voice might be a bit weird. <laughs> Bear with me. Um, and I really want to record this podcast, even though I'm not feeling top notch. Um, first, of course, it's going to help me get a bit busy, <laughs> but also I I've wanted to put out an episode this month and I haven't done it yet. And uh, this whole sick business came in, and and then stepping away from work was a little bit hard because you know it's a bit time intensive, but. Um, I feel like I've had a fair share of my excuses, so I need to do it. <laughs> uh, so I hope you stay tuned all the way through. We'll be talking about safety, um, the generic World Health Organization checklist. And hope you enjoy it. So... As nurses, um, we we of course we follow the code of conduct by the uh, nursing and midwifery council. And just to quickly point out, one of the core um, values there is preserving safety. And to quickly digest that, I just want to say that basically your work, my work, which is what I also do, um, is is geared around being safe the routine um the training that you get the preparations that you do as your daily routine um everything that all the team members are trying to achieve is primarily safety so i think that um it's good to know that this is going to be something that you're almost going to naturally do. Like you don't need to worry about whether you're going to be safe or not. Like your chances are, if you're out there working, you're going to be safe because um, everything is being built towards safety. Like it's embedded in the system, which is quite comforting to know. <laughs> um, so that being said, as a team member, you have things that you specifically 
want to make sure that you do because those are the things that are helping you maintain that safety network within the work that you're doing every day. So <laughs> moving on. Yay! So the world the World Health Organization um, has a checklist that is used preoperatively. Actually, there is there is three main checking points. So there is the pre-induction of anesthesia. So that part is like that who who referring to the World Health Organization? So the who sign in? So you do that pre-induction, then after you've induced uh, the patient and let's say now you've moved into theater, um, before the surgeons make a skin cut, you do a timeout. So everyone at the, in theaters, everyone um, on the team um, stops. And this at this point, you might have actually new team members or let's say like you started off few and then maybe you figured out oh you need more help and other people came in to help and remember at the beginning they weren't there so maybe they didn't also attend the team brief which is usually what will happen um at the start of your day and at that point when before they start the skin cut you do a timeout so the timeout is another safety very important safety checklist and at that point you can introduce people who aren't in the team but most of the time it will be introducing everyone because even the people who weren't on the team before didn't, don't know the people who were on the team earlier so like you could do another introduction and then go through the safety checklist so that you know who is who and who is doing what role and then the last bit of the the third part of the checklist is that sign out which is done at the end so when the patient has been closed and usually still asleep not yet awake but the surgeons have finished yeah so at that point you go through a, a certain thing as checklist that you use to check off things for safety um to continue the care that this person that has just gone through surgery will need in recovery and all that needs to be started and discussing issues that may have come up or you know may come up um however so specifically today i'm just going to talk about the who checklist at uh, that is done before induction of anesthesia okay so um i think i have built up enough to this <laughs> um one last thing so the one I'm, I'm going to read right now is a generic one. So the generic checklist has things that sh any checklist should have. Um, and then you will find that depending on where you're working and maybe even the level of the hospital or the level of surgeries that you're doing, that this checklist will be locally modified because um, everything usually has that factor of what's the local policy and how suitable is it to the practice that you're doing and you might have some modifications so i will actually show you an example of a modification that we have so the generic who signing checklist has about seven aspects to it number one has the patient confirmed his or her identity site procedure 
and consent. Mm-hmm. Um, so at, at this point, what you're doing in practice is you're looking at the consent form and you're looking at the wristband. Usually a patient will come down with a wristband, um, which they <laughs> should come down with. And the patient is telling you that this is their name, their date of birth. You're looking at maybe the hospital number, NHS number, and you're confirming that this information is the same. You're confirming that the consent is properly done, that the patient knows what the procedure is. They can confirm where they signed for it. You can see that maybe someone from the surgical team has also signed as well. And you can confirm the dates because actually the dates also do matter because um, according to police, local policy in your hospital, uh, you will find that certain consent forms are only valid for a certain period of time. So maybe if someone had signed it two weeks ago, it needs to be reaffirmed or it just has to be done on that day. Or So like just to make sure that that's correctly done. Number two is the site marked. Um, so let's say the patient says, oh yeah, you're working on my left hip and uh, you, you, you're like, all right, may we have a look and see if um, anyone from the surgical team has actually marked which hip we are working on. And then you check, there is no mark and the mark maybe is on the left. Um, so that's like, all right, this is going to be a problem. You need to sort that out before you carry on. You do not want to have the wrong site marked. And sometimes this is the point where as a practitioner, you you will be able to catch things that would end up being harmful. But here, then you have the chance to get someone from the surgical team and um, let them like confirm everything, check and see if the patient is saying is the same thing as to what they've explained and what is marked. So number three, moving on, is the anesthesia machine and medication check complete. Um, so according to the WHO, um, you you need to make sure that your equipment is okay <clears throat> and you have all the medicines that you need. Uh, number four is the pulse oximeter on the patient and functioning. Um, this this is about like checking the patient's vitals. Uh, I will give an example about this modification at this point. Uh, so in my trust, um, we follow the AAGBI. So the Association of Anas- Anas- Anesthesiologists of Great Britain and Ireland, they have guidelines that we use in practice. And at this point for us, we make sure that we have the minimum, which is not just a pulse oximeter. So that's for the so for the generic part it's just for the generic who checklist it's just a pulse oximeter that they need you to make sure the patient has uh, but for us because we've modified that to suit our needs we make sure that the patient has a pulse oximeter with plyometograph a non-invasive blood pressure monitoring connected an ecg and temperature monitoring that will carry on every 30 minutes 
until the end of the century. So uh, that's just one of the examples that I actually wanted to point out to put I wanted to point out earlier. And so such modifications will easily, easily happen. It's just getting to know your practice and how you do it. Uh, let's carry on. So number five, does the patient have a known allergy? Because definitely you do not want to be the practitioner who gives a patient penicillin and yet they are allergic to, to penicillins, you know? Um, that's just like, yeah, you do not want to be that person anyway. So you check that. Uh, number six, difficult airway or aspiration risk. Mm, here you're asking whether the, the assessment has been done. So for example, like I am a nurse, um, most of these pre-assessments will be carried out by the doctors um, in the uh, pre-assessment clinic or maybe some other specialist nurses or other nurses in the pre-assessment area. So I will not actually have all this information before, but let's say we find out oh, there is no clear documentation and you know, like the anesthetist that I'm doing this with will be like, okay, um, we're just gonna take some time and make sure we have a proper pre-assessment and we have the equipment that we need. So if you needed like a second hand, you know, like you'd be like, okay, yeah, I think in this case we'll need maybe another hand, you know, so you're ready. So you just want to find out as well um, what are the risks that you've identified or that were identified and how are we mitigating them? Because let's say some people have had anesthesia before and there were certain risks that were identified and this time around um, you can actually be ready so that those risks are well mitigated. Number seven, what's the risk of bleeding? Um, and usually this can, most of the time people like will just like to just quickly move over it because it's like, oh yeah, it's surgery. Of course we expect there to be a risk of bleeding. Of course we do. Um, but according to the World Health Organization, if an adult is expected to lose more than 500 mils of blood, yeah, it's, or seven mils packaging in um, children, uh, you really want to have good a good plan, you know, like you, you have your two large bore IVs or central access, which fluids are you going to give? And um, you, knowing the next steps. So if there is a massive hemorrhage, what are we going to be doing? And this is usually like local policy. You probably already know this or someone mentioned it to you. But at that point, you might be like, all right, let me write down that extension. Let me, yeah, let me know. Let me talk to the lab and know, you know, like before you get that um, ball rolling. Because some of these um, situations, they're like boulders. When they start rolling down the mountain, like they're just going to keep going. <laughs> so it's good to like be ready before that rolls down. So yeah, so those are like the seven things that... Um, the generic World Health Organization has. Uh, number one, patient has confirmed their identity, the site procedure and consent. The site is marked. That's number two. Number three, uh, the anesthetic machine and the medication check is complete. Number four, there is a pulse oximeter on the patient and it's functioning. Number five, 
get to know if the patient has an allergy that's known number six difficult airway or aspiration risk number seven the risk of bleeding and um to top that all off this checklist has to be carried out with at least a nurse and anesthetist so uh, just to point it out make sure you do the checklist with an anesthetist i find that it puts you all on the same page and then you move on to the next step because quite honestly this is like it's starting to happen because let's say in the beginning what will normally happen you have um the ward nurse or uh, the healthcare assistant, whoever is that escorted the patient down to surgery, um, is ready to hand over. And when they're actually still there, if you're like, okay, would you just stay with us a few minutes and we go through this checklist? And if there is something that was missing, let's say, for example, they hadn't carried the other patient notes or they hadn't carried the drug chart, you know, like you'd be like, okay, please, we actually do need this. Like, you really need to help us get that. And if you wait and do it as a team, like these are things that you will point out. And let's say if you missed seeing something, another person can see it. And quite honestly, that's the whole point of the checklist. It's not so that it gets ticked off. It's so that it gets done in practice. So yeah. <laughs> Oof. That was, yeah, that was some good information, I hope. Uh, recently, I I went to, of course, Google. <laughs> I Googled, uh, like, examples, because I wanted to get something that is already, like, in public knowledge. You know, we have information government, governance standards to follow, as, as Nan says. So it's just, I have to make sure that what I'm sharing is actually something I can share. Um so i went i went online and i found uh, an article that was published in 2019 on whole solicitors website and they were like just pointing out like the five largest personal injury and medical negligence claims that were, have ever been made in the uk of course all these cases were really bad you know um and um it's it's quite sad uh when you like try to digest that information um however i'm just gonna like mention one um merely because it's related to surgery so a child developed complications following an operation to correct a malformed esophagus when she was just about five months old um so they mentioned that it was conceded that there had been a failure to adequately ventilate the child during surgery, resulting in uh, respiratory arrest. Um, and unfortunately, um, that the claimant was severely brain damaged. Um, well, this is all information I got from the website. So the claimant was severely brain damaged and requires like ongoing care throughout her life um and they they got an upfront award 
um, of about 19.8 million pounds and they get like um, an annual payment as well so this is this is like really sad um, because at five months this is someone who's who had a well-functioning brain right and just after that episode this one event that happened in her life um she's lost a lot of function it's uh, it, it's it's always hard to talk about things like this okay um but yeah like this this has such a very big implication now i know of course it has a big financial implication as well um but I know that also you will find probably that even the practitioners and everyone who was involved um, went away with a lot of mental and emotional and psychological trauma because of what happened. Because these, these are just situations that will always be too much. You know what I mean? They were just like always just be too much i think what i want to finish off here with is um maybe like a quick mention about safety errors in healthcare because they can be like in various um i guess they occur in like various dimensions or like different intensities because there is some errors that are considered near misses so the, these ones they will like happen and the patient in this situation has suffered no harm um however these are things that when reported like the team and the hospital and the system can learn and better itself so that like they don't actually being end up being gaps you know that are just there and like something can easily go wrong and there is a big classification i think i should point out since we're talking about safety and that's the never events the errors that should never happen to anyone um because you see never events they are those errors that are largely preventable by healthcare practitioners implementing the routine safety measures and these are the kind of result that the kind of um, errors that result into legal and financial implications um, so just like the case I mentioned um, this is like yeah like I think this is this would be like a nightmare to any practitioner because it's like yeah worst case scenario plus 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 like it's that bad um i just want to say that the very definition of never events is quite quite deep because it it says it would have been prevented but the routine checks do you know what i mean like just doing the normal basic things that you do 
in your role would save a lot um, of pain and suffering, you know, if it was never done and it went wrong. Anyway, that's the idea. Um, and that's the practice. <laughs> it's the idea and the practice uh, that you uh, you do the basic things, isn't it? That we do the basic things so that no one gets to experience something that tough that should never happen. Like no one ever gets to lose a limb that was normal and functioning. And you know, like, oh, because you have actually gone through the checklist and checked for that mark and made sure that, you know, um, yeah, made sure that it's the right leg that they marked. So it does count. Um, the repetition of of things can sometimes make it seem minor, I think. But it doesn't take away the importance. So I hope um, that resonates more. <laughs> uh, th thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, this has been um, really lovely. It, it's actually nice to get to talk to anyone who is listening, of course. <laughs> anyone who is listening. And I'm hoping that you have learned something or if you have a question or a comment, uh, feel free to post it on here because uh, I am publishing the podcast episode onto Spotify. Um, look, look, look us up. Look us up. Look us up. This uh, <laughs> podcast, we have social media. So we, we're on Instagram and I think it might be easier to like send um, messages or comments on Instagram. Uh, so feel free to follow us and subscribe and click the notification, the bell symbol so that you get notified when I put out new episodes. But definitely, thank you.